If you are a Braveheart, the next hour is just for you. Welcome to Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold. In this program, you'll learn who the Bravehearts are and connect with them to help change the world. By doing so, you'll be changed for the better. Now, here is your host, Brian Reinbold. And welcome, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're going to talk about multiple intelligences, and the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets. Let's see how those are related. You can check out our sponsor website, BraveHeartsForKids.org, and email me at missionspecialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org, and be sure to connect on LinkedIn. You know, we've been setting up uh, shows uh, because of the LinkedIn connections, and uh, one of those uh, connections today is my guest, uh, Grace Bridie from Philadelphia, and Grace is um, a student at the uh, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, we met a few years ago at uh, the Hugh O'Brien Leadership Program International Seminar. That sounds pretty big in uh, Chicago at uh, Loyola University. So, welcome, Grace. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's good. Good to have you. And, and uh, you know, we did make that connection on LinkedIn a little while back, um, and then started talking about the you know the possibility of uh, connecting for the show and i'm sure glad that we did uh, you you reminded me when we when we talked how we we met and i'm i'm going to go back to when my uh, my son john was in uh, i think second grade and he was uh, he was having some trouble uh, in school, and they they thought, uh, well, he's he's got this uh, attention deficit disorder, and that's that was what they uh, well, they wanted to have some medication prescribed for him. And I'd had a friend that had advised me that, well, that's you know maybe that's not the best first step. And the principal of the school, Fran Rodenberg, she uh, she told me about something called multiple intelligences theory. And she said, you know, he he may just be smart in a different way. And uh, so I, I started reading about multiple intelligences theory. And multiple intelligences was something that uh, psychologist Har- Howard Gardner came up with in the 70s. And at the time, there were uh, he, he postulated that there were seven types of intelligence, seven ways that people are smart. And they were um, the verbal linguistic and logical mathematical, which we test for in schools. And then also the interpersonal and intrapersonal intelligences, a musical intelligence, a spatial intelligence, a bodily kinesthetic intelligence. And then later something was added uh, that... Uh, they call the naturalist, the uh, someone who's who has an affinity for nature and and animals. And uh, if I remember right, we we were talking a little bit about that at Loyola in Chicago when we first met. Does that sound familiar, Grace? Yes, absolutely. Um, I remember uh, we had just come upon each other, and almost instantly we started talking about this. And um, I, I remember talking about relating to nature, but uh, being in a school in the middle of a city and kind of that dynamic and, and how it wasn't um, really anything that I, I was tested on or was able to 
explore in my education. And, you know, the, the, um, the, the more I, I get into this and the more I, I, I learn about it, the, I, I see that we, we test for the logical, mathematical, and the ver- verbal linguistic. Mm-hmm. That, that, that sounds like the SAT or the ACT test. And it sounds like a, mm-hmm. lot of, uh, a lot of what goes on in schools now. And things like the uh, intrapersonal and interpersonal, everyone knows someone that, that's really good with other people that maybe didn't do so well mm-hmm. in school, but yeah. became very successful in whatever career they went to because they were good at working with people, interpersonal intelligence. And then you, we all know that person that uh, is maybe is very quiet, uh, doesn't have to be a quiet person, but they, they, they just know who they are. You know, it's just like, wow, they, they really have a confidence in who they are, intra personal intelligence uh-huh. and um, the the naturalist that's uh, that's one that I remember that my son uh, my other son my my older boy Matt has this uh, ability to catch birds out of out of trees and you know if, if someone's dog is oh, running wow. around loose it you know if, if dog is running around loose it'll come they'll it'll come to him and uh, I remember uh, at scout camp when he was uh, 11 or 12 or so and he I'd watching him in in a meadow uh, with his camera and he's uh, he's uh, walking up to a deer and he gets within about six feet of a deer and I've never seen anyone with that sort of affinity for animals and I thought well that's his intelligence that's that's his his because mm-hmm. uh, I, I was always pretty good with math and I remember one time when he was a freshman explaining to him the idea of algebra he's like oh this is how it works and this is how it works and I thought I did a really good job as dad you know explaining algebra and and I said now do you understand algebra and he says uh, I understand that you understand algebra <laughs> 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 so that was uh, that was a good experience, and the um, uh, Fran referred me to Howard Gardner's work, and then in particular to uh, Thomas Armstrong's work, who uh, was another fellow from North Dakota, and where I you know spent most of my life. And Tom was uh, was from Fargo, North Dakota, and he went to Fargo North High School. And I remember we played Fargo North in football when I was a kid. So it's like we had we had a lot right. in common, you know. And I saw him speak at Century High School in Bismarck one time, and then uh, he uh, uh, he he wrote so many books, and he's written so many books on uh, on the on the use of multiple intelligences theory, and the. Um, uh, and, and using it in the classroom, and that I think that's uh, that's where I, I really got excited about it because the first one that he wrote was one that I remember called "The Radiant Child," and it was the idea that we're all born geniuses. Every mm, child. Yeah, and that reminds me of the the Albert Einstein quote that we had yeah. talked about um, that you know you can't judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah, so that you know that the the idea that um, uh, I, I just love the idea that every every child is a genius in their own way, and um, it's it's an opportunity. I see. What if it were possible for for everyone to excel in the area of their own? We're all smart in. If you consider intelligence smart, the same thing. I'm kind of using it as a synonym, but um, 
if uh, if we're all smart, we're all intelligent in in all of these ways to some degree, and some of them are just are just dominant for us, I suppose. Um, bodily kinesthetic is one of those uh, things that uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, brain tells his muscles to move in such Mm -hmm. a way that he swings a golf club better than just about anyone ever has you know that kind of uh that kind of kinesthetic intelligence and then the spatial intelligence of architects and musical intelligence and uh you're a a linguist right you uh you, you you learn you're you're good with languages if i remember right well, actually, growing up, I never really thought it was something that um, I was good at in school. Um, I was I was good at memorizing, but I, I never found the ability to speak freely and not be nervous about uh, making a mistake. I didn't find that so easy um, in high school, but then um, in university, I took a break and I started traveling, and I ended up living abroad for a while, um, and, and only living and immersing myself in that community is when I found that, yeah, um, I, I was able to just sort of listen to others and, and fearlessly speak speak my way through a town um, to try and communicate anything. So in, in my um, later years, I've really um, found a passion for languages. And, and, you know, I, I was thinking about that earlier today that, you know, of, of these intelligences, there isn't one that's described as the language intelligence i don't that I'm, mm-hmm. not that I'm aware of maybe there you know and i reckon there's there's probably others in between or you know combinations of these that that you know it's not a, it's not like it's all linear or just these mm-hmm. these eight eight dots but i thought uh what i've heard is that music and language learning is very similar have, have you ever heard that i haven't i haven't heard um the connection between the two but while I was on my, my journey to language learning, um, and I uh, was starting to listen to, um, you know, language learning podcasts and, and trying to learn languages through that way. I also um, spent time studying how people do learn languages and acquire new languages, and I think you're absolutely right in that there are a lot of crossovers between these intelligences um, because people learn languages differently, um, which I think supports this, you know, everybody can approach things in a different way and the intelligence is like knowing your strengths um, and the ones that you've been able to foster in your life, um, knowing what they are can allow you to approach something such as a language in a different way. And you know, and and uh, you know, children learning languages. Uh, uh, and I, I've heard um, uh, someone told me that uh, Chinese is the easiest language in the world to learn. Oh, I've heard that too. Yes. And but the reason I heard it was because there are more little children that learn Chinese than any other language. Oh wow, and, that's interesting. Well, there's there are more little children in China. So <laughs> I thought, uh, you know, <laughs> based on that, uh, that well, that does make sense. You know, um, my my sister, um, uh, you know, living in uh, in well, she she took eight years of Spanish in high school and college and lived in uh, Toledo outside of Madrid for a while, and then uh, when she moved back to the states, she uh, lived in the San Diego area, and and then she immersed herself in uh, Taiwan. 
the Chinese language for some time. So learned uh, not just uh, fluent Spanish, but also to speak Chinese. Uh, she would have wow. gone to mainland China, except the the year that uh, that happened. That was the uh, the Tiananmen Square uh, incident, and the uh, the State mm-hmm. Department would forbade uh, travel uh, to uh, mainland China at that time. But she learned to speak Chinese, and her her children grew up with Chinese and learned to speak and to write. Chinese, and I thought that's fascinating because wow. uh, it, it's just amazing that, uh, that you know that I, it's it's amazing to me that we can learn other languages, and especially the idea that they have you know such vastly different symbols to their uh, to to describe the language mm-hmm. and structures within the language. You know, just even how to structure a sentence. Yeah, um, it changes so rapidly. Yeah. So you you spent some time in uh, in Brazil and uh, in uh, in Europe, uh, traveling throughout Europe, or uh, kind of more in in one particular place there. Um, yes, to both. For Europe, I was um, based in Germany, and specifically the north of Germany. I spent a lot of my time near Hamburg. Okay, um, Ham- and I was Ham- I was working with a, an outdoor education center, uh, outdoor education organization there. Is that working with kids? Yes, absolutely. Kids and adults. We um, okay. we run programs for schools in the area, um, and also operate summer programs um, in multiple locations around Germany. Okay, that's right. And uh, we're, we're going to be, you know, I, 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 uh, we are uh, uh, about to head into a break, and uh-huh. I, I want to get uh, I want to get back to your travels, uh, the uh, uh, the connection with uh, uh, Brazil. And and also uh, the time in Germany, and we'll share some some commonalities about uh, those two areas as as much as I can in in the Brazil. That uh, I'm more uh, more more connected with the uh, with the German story, I suppose. Uh, but we're going to be going into a break, and I'm just going to encourage everyone to stick with us with uh, Grace Bridey. We will be back with you on Brave Hearts Radio talking about multiple intelligences. And the more you talk to people, the smaller the world gets. Stick with us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're part of Brave Hearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the Mission Specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today we're talking about multiple intelligences, and the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets. You can check out our sponsor website, that is braveheartsforkids.org. While you're there, take a look at spotlighthope.org. That's the flagship service of Bravehearts for Kids, and Bravehearts for Kids, a leading pediatric cancer charity, Spotlight Hope, is the way that uh, they connect families with the resources that can help them in their time of need. You can email me at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org and connect on LinkedIn, and uh, connect on LinkedIn like uh, Grace. Brighty and I did a couple of months back, and now uh, she is a uh, guest on the show today, and I'm so glad to have you on the show, Grace. Um, welcome back. Thank you. And uh, you were, um, your, your connection with uh, with Brazil uh, goes back to the Rotary, and about a month ago we had uh, Suzanne and Mark Gibson from Rotary International. Uh, Suzanne is the uh, the uh, uh, district governor for what they call the home district. That's where the uh, Rotary headquarters is in Evanston, Illinois, and about 60-some clubs and about 2,000 members. And we talked a little bit about their travels and the Rotary exchange program and st- students going to other countries, and they've been involved in that. And uh, and you have a connection with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. What's that? Um, uh, yeah. my, my mother... Um, was the the originator of the connection. So when she was in high school, so in uh, the late 60s, um, she was walking through her hallways and saw on the bulletin board an advertisement to be a Rotary Exchange student, and she applied. Um, And so she spent um, one year in a tiny town in the south of uh, Brazil called Consulero Lafayette, and she was the first Rotary Exchange student there in 1969. Wow, that is cool. And uh, so uh, your your mom was a Rotary Exchange student, and and that it motivated you to uh, to go to Brazil. Is that right? Because uh, yeah, was, uh, this experience there. Yeah, I had grown up my entire life um, hearing about my mom say all of these names that were very foreign to me because um, they're Brazilian names and. And I don't know, I just never questioned it. Um, I started to kind of build this um, familial structure of who they were and and where they lived. And um, I just grew up with them being a part of our family. Um, You know, my aunts and my uncles and my cousins there. And and they Mm -hmm. are not biologically her family, but she considers the four families she lived with that year in Brazil her actual family. Um, and so I spent my entire life hearing about them and only when I was, uh, 19, it was after my freshman year of, uh, university, um, did I get the opportunity to actually go there by myself and visit and meet my family members out there. Wow. What an opportunity. Um, 
so family that that weren't biological family, they were um, what I guess what we call chosen family, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You you know we we reckon uh, Albert Albert Schweitzer to be one of our one of our heroes. You know the the way that you and I met was through the Hugh O'Brien program, and and Albert Schweitzer was the motivation for Hugh to start the program originally uh, back in the late fifties. And uh, so many great things that Schweitzer said, and one of them was, we tend to treat people in two different ways: one as family. And the rest less well. Mm. We cannot afford to live that way. And mm. I think I think wow. that that is that is an immense standard, because um, well, I, you know sometimes people say, "Oh, I, my family, I can't stand." But uh, if you if you start criticizing yeah. them, they'll, then they'll defend them to the death, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I, I think Albert Schweitzer set a, a very high standard with that statement. Um, you know, to treat everyone as well as we would treat family. I think that's pretty cool. I, I just like that idea. It's uh, it's a bar that I've I, I, I've failed to uh, to clear. You know, on just about every occasion. I think, but it's it's still. A, I think it's a terrific ideal. No, yeah, and I think it's something that it's a practice. It's something to work towards and and strive for. It that's it's really not an easy feat. Um, and a lot of his work was not easy. So I, I think that's an amazing thing to keep keep in mind. You know, everyone we meet has something and has some story and um, has a value, um, not even getting into um, what that is. You know, we should just accept that and know that and, and treat them well. But it is. It's, it's quite a hard practice. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the... Um, uh, the idea, you know, so so many ideas as an ideal. It's something to be mindful of and to strive toward. And that's uh, that's mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's something mindfulness just to be aware of things really makes mm-hmm. uh, makes a difference. So um, now, so from Brazil, you went to uh, Germany. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. I um, went to Brazil the first time and and tried university again for a semester after that summer. Um, mm-hmm. And then decided to take a break, and that's when I did um, some real, real traveling, extended traveling. Um, and so I, I went to Germany and and worked with the organization I had mentioned before, the Outdoor Education um, Center. Yeah. Um, and there, it's international. It's an international camp, so we have staff from what's over thirty countries and. The, the children who um, and adults who come to our programs are often international as well. Um, I believe last summer we had participants from over 40 different countries. Um, and so wow. it is uh, quite quite the, the epicenter of, of diversity and, and just interesting people with interesting stories. And you know the uh, the second half of our uh, of our title for the show today is the the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets. Um, oh my gosh! Yes. You know that's it, you, it. Sounds like you got something to 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 run with there. Yeah, I think I think at this point in my life, I I feel as though I could meet any any person and and find something that we connect on, whether it's a place or. Um, something we grew up with, whether it's living in the city or um, 
ideas of sustainability in the household, you know, something and just run with it. And, and it is a, it is a small world in that we're all, all humans and they're all, there's some common experience pretty much between any two people, I believe. There's a there's a, a a popular book from a few years back called The Tipping Point, and uh, the author mm. is Malcolm Gladwell, and he says that there are at some point there's a there's a tipping point where something goes from being uh, largely unknown to popular to tipping over to being ubiquitous. Everybody knows about it. Everybody, you know, it's, uh, um, and uh, he said there's three types of people that help make that happen. One of them is a salesperson. One of them is a maven. And that's the, the what his description of someone who knows every detail about something. And one is what he calls the connector. And mm. the, con- the connector, he, as he describes it, is someone who makes connections for the joy of seeing good things happen. And when I thought, when I when I saw that, I kind of I kind of did, you know, did did a little happy dance wherever I was, and I thought, I said, I thought that's me. I you know I've been a salesman all my life. I've been in sales and sales management <laughs> and done that most of my life. But you know the connector, that's where I find real joy, and and I'm always looking to make a connection, you know, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, you know, hey, oh, you're from Philadelphia. You know, there's somebody that I know from Philadelphia. There's somebody mm-hmm. else. That I know. You know, that kind of stuff. And that's, I think that that makes things fun, but it's also really good for the world and good for peace going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to find common ground um, that any, any two people can stand on um, allow, allows for that, that, um, that connection, the, the the middle ground between two two opposing ideas, and I think that's where positive world change is, is going to come from, especially going forward. Yeah, I, I, I often will, will say that uh, we live in the best time in the history of the world, and it it's um, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's great, and it's getting better, and it's getting better fast. And you know, I'll, I'll often get challenged on that, and people say, "Oh, Brian, don't you watch the news? Don't you?" I say, "Well, you know, I try to avoid most of what's in the news." Um, because it's it's so much of it is it seems to be weird. but what I see is that I I see the world as as a as a positive place and an op- optimistic viewpoint of that without being Pollyannish is is to say that we do live in the best time in the history of the world and it is great and it's getting better and it's getting better fast and it's exciting to watch it happen but it's exhilarating to be part of making it happen. Oh yeah, definitely. I um, I see it all around me. It is, it is exciting to be connected to so much and to have access of, of a full worldview at our fingertips at all times. I, um, you know, I've, I've always kind of held this, but especially working at the the um, international summer camps that I was in in Germany, I saw so many examples of just um, you know. What fifty years ago, where there was there a, a camp in the north of, um, uh, you know, near near Hamburg, where mm-hmm. kids from fifty different nations were meeting each other um, and breaking language barriers and having fun and playing games and and solving problems together, you know that's that's incredible and I, I feel so lucky to be a part of that work to um, set up these um, structures and events for for kids just to find to find joy and to find that human connection with each other, even if they don't speak the same language, which was very common. Hmm. Yeah. So they, so they found some way to communicate. Yeah. I, I, 
was before coming there, I was felt nervous about the language barriers as um, I've mentioned, I have taken Spanish, you know, in high school for six years, but I, mm-hmm. English was really the only language I spoke. Um, mm-hmm. And even though English is one of the main languages of the camp, I was really nervous about going to a country that I, I couldn't, you know, naturally communicate with someone um, if I needed help. And, and I, I went there as a staff member and just found that that almost didn't matter. Um, and, and yeah, the kids, they it just seems like they don't care about language. They would draw things or they would speak in their own language, but use their hands once they understood mm-hmm. someone wasn't yeah. picking up on what they were saying. And, and, you know, to, to run around in the forest, you don't really need, uh, much, much words to share. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was really amazing and goes back to a lot of what we're talking about. Well, that's good stuff. Uh, we're we're going to come back to that very topic when we come back from a break. And with Grace Bridey, we are talking about multiple intelligences. And the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets on Bravehearts Radio. Stick with us. We'll be back on the other side of 60 Seconds. America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also email Brian. His email is mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about multiple intelligences, and the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets. To connect with us, check out braveheartsforkids.org. You can check connect with me at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. 
Facebook and connect on LinkedIn too. And, you know, going into the third segment, I always talk a little bit about National Day Calendar, one of the great sponsors of the Brave Hearts for Kids Pediatric Cancer Charity, nationaldaycalendar.com. And today, February 24th, is Tortilla Chip Day. It's one of the few days on the calendar, one of the few days on the calendar that has only one day. So it's National Tortilla Chip Day. And it it makes me, it makes me, um, I, w- I wonder about uh, the pronunciation sometimes because uh, here in uh, Chicagoland, there's a, a, a chain of um, uh, hot dog places. I guess that's a hot dog and Italian beef called Portillo's. And uh, I was uh, at a Toastmasters club with my uh, Portillo's is P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S. And uh, I was at a Toastmasters meeting with my my friend uh, Lino Carrillo and uh, C-A-R-I-L-L-O. And Lino had just been introduced as Carrillo uh, by someone. And I, I I said, well, you know, they, they don't have that right. And I said, but frankly, I don't, I don't understand the distinction. Why is Portillo? Portillo's, Portillo instead of Portillo. And he looked at me and he said, if you don't know, I can't explain it to you. And uh, I, la- I, <laughs> I later realized that one is Spanish, one is Italian. And both of both Spanish and Italian, as well as French and Portuguese and Romanian, I think, are uh, from the Latin language roots. Uh, German and English are from different language families going going way way back uh, and uh, I, I understand that uh, English has five times as many words as it did in the time of Shakespeare um, words like tortilla and kindergarten are, are words that, that we we have in the English language you're kind of taken for granted but kindergarten is is very much a German word and uh Tortilla, of course, you know, and, and I, I tell people I speak many languages, but almost all of what I speak is food, you know, stroganoff and and lasagna and things like that. So uh, we were talking a little bit more about languages, and you you said that the the uh, the people at the uh, at the camp, uh, you know, running through the woods, they didn't really need language, uh, and they communicated a lot with um, with gestures and stuff, but they found a way to communicate, right? Mm-hmm. Always, pretty much. And is that something that you, that you see as um, as maybe maybe a, a human trait that people will will find a way to communicate? I do, I do. Like we were talking about, I think I think humans have a, a natural inclination to find um, and connect and to find common ground. Um, and I think it's easier to see in kids, or at least kids perhaps find it um, a bit simpler that, you know, I, I want to talk to this person. We don't speak the same language, um, so I'm going to figure out another way to do that. Um, and maybe it's just a, it's a bit more fluid for them um, than it is as, as we get older and we kind of learn the rigidity of, of language and structure. Um, but I do, I think, I think humans really want to connect with each other. And so, so much of, you know, when we talk about these languages, we talk about German and English and Spanish and Italian, Portuguese and so forth, we all use the same alphabet. And, and then we have uh, the, uh, the Eastern European and, and Greek alphabet, which is slightly different, 
looks much the same. There are other symbols. And then you get into um, uh, the Middle East and the Arabic and, and, uh, and uh, into uh, China and Japan and Korea. And the symbols are so different. Uh, it, I, I think it's just amazing that we're able to communicate with one another um, as, as people. And, and I think it, it's really a tribute to the fact that we really do have a desire to connect Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I think about ways that the kids did communicate with each other, and and even how I communicated in my travels because I did travel to countries where I didn't speak any language. Um, and even especially uh, in my time in Brazil, so I spent I, I went there once um, in let's see, 2017. I went there for the first time, and I was there for about two weeks, um, living living with the family that I. I had just met, um, and then I went back a second time to live with one of my aunts, um, Mata, uh, near and dear to my heart, um, and I went to live with her on her coffee farm in a very rural mm-hmm. area of Brazil, where most of the people, including herself, didn't speak English very well, um, and Regard, like she, she was learning English from, from Duolingo. She was studying every single night that I was there to try and be able to communicate with me in a common language. But, um, you know, it, it's hard to help learn a language um, on demand, like in the moment. And so but we found each other. Um, we, we spent hours talking with each other, you know, with an a English-Portuguese dictionary and a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. We would talk for hours hours um and you know it was about the way that her eyes looked when she said something or her hand gestures or you know so much can be interpreted um if, if you have the motive and the purpose to connect with someone and it, I, I can just picture the uh the, the when you say the eyes uh the the sense of oh i got that you know i get it you know mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. uh that's there's the, what an exciting feeling that is you know when you when you when you're communicating with something i got that idea um and it, it, maybe that's one of the one of the great things about travel, you know, to to places. I, mm-hmm. I think most places seems to me, you know, I, I, and I'm I'm not much of a traveler. I've been slightly, uh, slightly into Canada. You know, I've been to Vancouver and Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and I've been to T- Tijuana, Mexico. But other than that, I've just been around the United States. And uh, you know, I, I find that that people here. Uh, they, you know, they 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 sound different different places. Um, when you know, when I when I um, meet someone from from India, and uh, they say, "Where are you from?" And they say, "Well, I'm from India." And I say, "Well, where in India?" And it it's invariably uh, the the, uh, the people that I that I ask that they, they're they're kind of surprised that that as an American that I would be interested in where you know because India mm-hmm. is uh, yeah. is as as big as the U S east and west north and south and what three four five times as many people uh, so it there there's the tremendous distinctions between uh, coming from the east coming from the west coming from the south. Uh, and uh, and so uh, in different different languages, uh, you know, different uh, sound to the languages, I suppose, uh, that I, I don't know enough about it to pick up on, but um, mm-hmm. but there but there is that. And uh, you had you had folks from from all from all over the world coming to the uh, the the camp in Germany. Yeah, yeah, mostly mostly European countries, but um, almost everyone. Um, minus a few Eastern European countries. 
um, and South America, North America, Asia, really um, Australia. It, it was incredible. You know, we have we have listeners here on uh, Bravehearts Radio from I think, I think it's uh, seventeen countries on six continents, um, fifty wow. states. Um, no, got to find somebody that lives in Antarctica or, or is, you know, I mean, that's the last <laughs> continent we haven't left, you know. So, um, but the, the, isn't that amazing that how small the world gets when you when you talk with people like that? And uh, I've mentioned do, doing uh, retreats and thought leader summits, and we've got some plans for that. We're definitely going to uh, be uh, talking with um, uh, doing that in, in North Dakota. Uh, I've had several uh, outstanding guests from North Dakota, and I've got, uh, 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 you know, from Philadelphia, uh, we have a connection with the Association of Pediatric Oncology Social Workers. We're doing some work with that, and they have some board members and, and founded in Philadelphia. And uh, just uh, the other day, I spoke with uh, Aaron Beverly from Philadelphia, who is the uh, uh, the world champion of public speaking at uh, Toastmasters wow. International this year, and he has an amazing story, a wonderful, wonderful story uh, about uh, inclusiveness and peace, and uh, you know, bringing people together. And, and that you know, that Toastmasters is a, um, a, a, a an, an organization that is in, I believe, 140 countries, um, and the, you know, the the competition is in English. It's uh, it's interesting that that's done that way, but there are people from around the world that compete in that, and they're really good. And Aaron won it this year. He's from he's from Philadelphia. So uh, I thought, well, you know, what if it were possible to have a thought leader summit in Philadelphia? Would, would you be interested in that? Oh, Brian, you know that I would be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> And and I'm asking our our listeners if you're if you're interested in a thought leader summit in uh, Philadelphia, hey, email me at mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org, and we'll uh, we'll talk with you about setting that up. We don't have a schedule for that, but I, I'm thinking uh, you know what if it were possible to make that happen sometime in 2021. Um, like somebody said, you know, the 2021 is going to be here whether we do anything with it or not. So, why not? Uh, why not? Why not just make it so? Uh, so we're we're fixing to head into our our final break of the day, and then uh, we'll be back at the other side of the break uh, talking with uh, Grace Bridie about multiple intelligences. And the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets on Bravehearts Radio. Stick with us. We'll be back on the other side of sixty. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. 
As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the Mission Specialist. You're tuned into VoiceAmerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking with Grace Bridie about multiple intelligences, and the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets. And don't forget, connect with us. You know, I, I, I should say, remember to connect with us on uh, uh, on LinkedIn and that uh, mission specialist at uh, BraveHeartsRadio.org, especially if you're interested in participating in a Thought Leader Summit in 2021 in Philadelphia. We were just talking about that a little. Met through an organization called Hobie, uh, Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership, and I mentioned earlier about the um, the connection with uh, Hugh O'Brien and Dr. Albert Schweitzer going back to 1958 in Lamborghini, Gabon. Albert Schweitzer, I think, was one of the, the, the true uh, humanitarian leaders of the last century. Grace, how did you get involved with, uh, with, with Hugh O'Brien leadership, Hobie? How did that start for you? Um, so, so just by, by a random connection on Facebook when I was a, a freshman in high school, I saw someone posting about a, a Hobie, Pennsylvania East reunion, and, and I don't know what drove me to research more, but um, I went on the website and looked up um, what the organization does and what their mission is, and I just felt driven by some unknown um, source to, to seek it out, and I actually went to my high school administrators and asked them to send me wow, um, because so you... they had not sent an ambassador before. Okay, that's outstanding. Wait, it it's, that sounds like a hobby. <laughs> it's just part of my life now. It's like outstanding, you know. Uh, yeah, how, that's how, one how, of the catchphrases of the organization. Yeah. So, uh, so the first experience was Pennsylvania East. Where was that? Um, my my seminar was at Temple University, and now then it moved to Villanova University, um, and now it is somewhere a bit farther. I'm not sure the name. Okay. Now, I, you know, I, um, I spend most of my Hobie experience in, in Bismarck, North Dakota, and, and uh, I joined the JCs when I graduated from college in 1981. So mm. I've, been with, I've been involved with Hobie since 1981 when we did our first program in North Dakota. And wow. in, some, in some way ever since, um, 
Wait, and and how how is it that you were at uh, Loyola in Chicago? What was the connection that you had there? Um, so after my ambassador year, um, and for anyone who doesn't know, Hobie has leadership seminars for high, high school sophomores um, and talks about uh, leadership, group leadership, leadership through service. Um, and so I went to my three-day seminar in 20. 14, um, and then in 2016, I went to the Advanced Leadership Academy in Chicago, um, short ALA, which sent, it was a week-long conference that centered around um, creating positive change projects within our communities. Um, and through that, and people that I met there, I ended up at um, Loyola, where I met you, Brian. Yeah, and that was, we were there in, was that, 20, was that 2016, the same year? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was uh, I'd, I'd spoken uh, at at the 2012 Hobie, and I'd, I'd say that's on my my bucket list of, uh, of of favorite speeches. I had to speak to the entire group of 800 on the subject of servant leadership. You know, talking about uh, you know Albert Schweitzer and my connection, my experience with that is just wonderful. And then in 2016, 2016, I think I think that was the year that I was uh, involved with a seminar on. Uh, gender equity versus equality, and that was mm. fascinating because the ideas that some of the young people have are just amazing. You know, I, I gave an mm-hmm. example of of uh, uh, equity versus equality, and it was uh, the, the the meme that maybe you're familiar with: uh, kids looking over a fence and and uh, wanting mm-hmm. to watch a baseball game, and there's. Um, one is tall enough to see over and the other two are not. And so there are three boxes and they each get a box to stand on. And then the medium size and the tall kid can both see over the fence and they have equality because they each have a box to stand on, but the little kid still can't see over. So they, then they, uh, they, they, uh, uh, the, the last picture is the, the little kid has two boxes to stand on and, uh, all of them now can see over the fence. And so they have equity. And one of the, one of the students mm. uh, raised her hand and she said, She's 15 years old. She said, what if they just took down the fence? Wow. And I, I still get goosebumps every time I tell that story. And it's like, you know, I, and uh, we, we were at the, uh, the closing ceremonies a couple of times and listening to the, uh, to the speakers. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my impression is we're leaving the world in very good hands. Um, more, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, it's, maybe yeah. it's my experience with Hobie that just says, hey, the, the, the world is, is better and, and uh, more beautiful and, and it's, uh, it, it's getting better all the time. And it's at mm-hmm. the young people that I see working together, making connections, making that's, that's where peace comes from. Absolutely. Hobie radically changed my life. It was the first place that I um, felt that home feeling. Um, and I, I looked around me and, and saw people who wanted to do really good things for the world and make it a better place. It's a truly incredible organization. You said that home feeling. Yeah. De- describe that. You know, it's, it's when you you can find it in a person or a career a place and um, you just know that you belong there and that it, it sees the world in the same way that you do, even if it's just for a moment. Yeah. Maybe going back to what Albert Schweitzer said about uh, treating everyone as well as we would if they were family, having that Mm -hmm. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Hobie, Hobie's been a wonderful experience, and uh, I always look forward to doing something with uh, with the organization. What are you, are you involved with Hobie now? I am. Um, since I've been traveling, I haven't been able to attend my home conferences as I had. Um, I volunteered two years afterwards, fundraised, and went to the conferences. Um, but mm-hmm. then as I started traveling, I couldn't go, and so I was doing the design packages for the for my home conference. Um, and I, I've been doing that since I left, and um, I'm just waiting for that one year where I can go back and return. And you're a designer, and gra- you do some graphic art. I, I've seen some of your work. It's good. Um, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of Hobie story. Well, after almost 40 years being involved with it, there's a lot of Hobie stories. Um, there, mm-hmm. uh, um, and you know, when I'll just one real quick one. I'll I'll, I'll kind of wind things up with when I was. 21 years old, I started out as the program chair for the Hobie seminar, the first time we ever did it in North Dakota. And I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was responsible for getting the program together. And I thought, you know, being we're in the capital city, why not get the governor to speak? And so I walked into the governor's office. I'm 21 years old. And I asked the secretary at the reception desk, I said, can I speak to the governor? And she looked at me and she said, do you have an appointment? And I looked back and I said, no. She looked down at the calendar and the schedule and she looked back. She said, it'll be 15 minutes. And I I I tell that story because um, it's um, only in North Dakota. Well, maybe, you know, it's, (laughs) I don't think it's, it's, it's quite that small townish as, as it once was, but uh, that's, uh, to me, that's kind of a, uh, kind of a funny story because, um, and and I just I just love the idea that that a young person in in my case I was twenty one years old and he's had the opportunity to go and help this thing happen, and it's been a wonderful experience all these years. So I I wish you the very best uh, for the coming years working with Hobie too. I think that's going to be great for you. Thank you. So I want to thank the audience for joining us this week. You have been listening to uh, Brave Hearts Radio on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. We've been talking about multiple intelligences, and the more you talk with people, the smaller the world gets. Remember to check out our BraveHeartsForKids.org. Follow and like us on Facebook, and you can also email me at missionspecialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org, especially if you're interested in that Philadelphia Thought Leadership Conference in uh, 2021. Plan to join us every Monday at 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific. Next week, we'll be talking about... ROI. And John G. Blumberg has a new spin on ROI. His spin is return on integrity. You're not going to want to miss this one. Uh, And uh, remember that doing good anywhere does good everywhere. And we'll see you next week. Until then, be well. Thanks again for joining us this week for Brave Hearts Radio. Be sure to tune in for another edition featuring your host, Brian Reinbold. The show can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next time.